So you know what that is? That's the presence of the Lord. That's the presence of the Lord. Here in a second, I'm going to have a video played. I'm going to read a scripture to you. You know, while we were singing, there was a there was a song that was going through my mind. It's an old hymn, and I'm just remembering a part of the phrase, talking about the thief upon the cross. And he said, and this is part of the words: "May I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. May I, though vile as he." You know, we think about that thief upon the cross, and how he was experiencing the pain of the sins that he had committed. And remembering ourselves. You know, songs like we just sang remind me of my past. Remind me of the extravagance of what God did to get a hold of me. And you know, the songs like Amazing Grace never fade away. The the power of those words can never fade. A wretch like me. You know, that's part of the beauty of the gospel, isn't You know, we're always trying to encourage people to say they're good people or whatever the case is. And I'm sure there's times where that's needed. But what part of the beauty of the gospel is, it, the background of it is my vileness, my ugliness, my unworthiness, and the beauty of what Jesus did in order to get a hold of my life. I am so grateful for that. Um, boys, could you in the back, let me read this. <laughs> I'm ahead of myself in the moment. So again, I, I can hear my amens in the back. So you guys up front, you can give yours. You know that's why you sit up front anyway, so the voice of God, this is the sermon today. Um, we actually had a few confirmations to this, but there was numerous things that came. My wife actually brought this video to me. Somebody had also shared that video with her. Some of you may have already seen this video, but it really speaks very, very plainly to us. And what an inspired message was given in this. Let me read this verse here with you, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have them play this video. Um, in John chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. I'm going to say that one more time. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. Man, that's awesome. And leads them out. And when he brings them out, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. John chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Boys, would you please go ahead and play this video? Not that one. They'll get there. If you need my help. Good. Way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. Some of these things we don't do on a normal basis, so we forget what it's like. Um, if you need to, go ahead and go back to three, channel three or two. And then and I had a ticket in my pocket. 
to get on an airplane. The pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up, and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going to <laughs> And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling. And he passes out, passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there. And I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello, don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it. I said, no, we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you got to understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you. Because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you. Try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on and said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? 
Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm. Just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights, and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room in about four in the morning. Knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice holy. was in a lap. Thank you, Lord. 
Hey, boys, go ahead and turn the air. You got me. Good. Those guys are getting really good at what they do back there. Can you guys give them a hand? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I think that feels a little bit like flying an airplane when you get back there. If you went back there and looked at all the knobs and pieces and you'd never had any familiarity with it at all, you'd be like, I'm definitely crashing on this one. So I am grateful. Boys, thank you so much for your devotion, dedication, and what you're doing. I want to say the same thing to everybody else in this place because, you know, with as many of us that are here, that word resonates with us. And I started, I I caught something when I was sitting down there and listened to this for probably the third or fourth time. And this is what I caught. You know, many times when I go through something, I don't ask for anybody and I don't make a phone call to anybody. And I'll tell you why. Because I want to make sure that I heard God's voice in that time. I don't want to confuse it with anything else. And I realize this, that there's nothing you're going to say that when God's done with me is going to be any better than what the Lord said to me. He clears the runway for me. He does a lot of things that it's like all the traffic in my head, all the things that go through my mind, and that changes the whole course of the whole thing. You know, there's a lot that I'm not going to be able to say about the voice of God this morning. I'm going to do my best to, I don't have a, I don't think it's a lengthy sermon, but, you know, what's on paper and what actually happens are usually two different things. Um, I've kind of figured out there's kind of a length that I usually a happy medium for me. But when it really comes down to it, this thing about the voice of God is what seals the deal for us. I think that video hits life with its right where we need it the most. How many of you were encouraged and ministered to by what you just heard up there? What an awesome thing. How many of you are going to go back and re-listen to that again when you get home, right? What an amazing thing. I think that that fits our life right now. So let me just take a few minutes to pray, and then I'm going to dig into this sermon, Lord willing. Father, thank you so much, because right now we need to hear your voice. Lord, there's a lot of things I'm going to say, and I pray that it matches with the confirmation of the things that you're already saying. You're already beginning to thunder in our heart the sense of what it is that we need to know. Lord, we are in the last hour of what's happening in the world right now. Lord, we're living in a time where it looks like like unprecedented time, like nothing has ever been before. And Father, there is so much going on, so many voices. Social media is its own voice. And I could see the devil raising it up to be such a thing that we would have every voice telling us, speaking to us, trying to re-navigate us, cause us to fly into that mountain as soon as we could crash this life and destroy ourselves. But Lord, there's a few people here, I believe, that really want to hone in. We want to listen to what You're saying. And we don't want anything else interfering with what it is that You're trying to speak to our life. Lord, some of us are in the last hour of life, as it were. Lord, we don't have what looks like many years ahead of us. And it's all the more important. It's all the more important. And none of us know the day, Lord. We don't know, Lord, what could be the news for tomorrow. But we do know, Lord, that there is one thing that's paramount in our life. And that is to know the voice of God and be able to follow you. Lord, it's one thing to have you said something in our life. It's another thing to follow what you're telling us. And Jesus, I just want to pray this morning that this, Lord, would lift us to pray, to seek Your face, to become desperate to listen to You. Lord, if we think we've heard from You, we will go another step further and ask for confirmation 
And until we get it, we will not be satisfied. Oh, Jesus, thank you for today. Lord, what you're going to share with us. Lord, what you're going to put in my heart. Lord, and what you're going to inspire throughout the days to come. And I give you praise right now for what you're doing. Jesus, thank you, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, there have been a few individuals that I've been praying for this week. Um, men that I know, are they're not listening to the Lord. They're not listening. And one of my greatest heartbreaks, this is just the pastoral heart coming out, but it's as real as can be. My greatest heartbreak is to look somebody in the eyes and listen to them talk to me like they really want what God wants for them. They really want His freedom. And you can see the confusion. You can hear the confusion in the things that they say. And it sounds like it sounds like the heart is there, but the confusion is there. And I'm in the background praying, Lord, would you do something to confirm the voice of God in their life? Because if they don't hear your voice, and if they don't understand where they are right now, they're already shipwrecked. And I'm praying, looking at the ruin, praying for something new to happen. See, to me, the voice of God is so important because I realize that until somebody really gets the download of what God is saying to them, they are going to meander so far from the course of what God wanted them to be at that it doesn't take long before you've seen Christian men, those who, even women, and you've seen them at one point in their life, they looked like they were on fire for the Lord. They looked like they loved God with all their heart. They were the first ones at the church and the last ones to leave. They were up there for service and anything that they could do. They abandoned all other pursuits. I remember a man in my life that I watched him. He gave up his own job. And he went in and he tucked himself in prayer. Alcohol went out the door. The job changed. The way that he lived changed their their answering machine changed. The things that he said on his answering machine, I loved it. You, I would go and call him on a time that I knew that he wasn't there just so I could listen to what he said on the answering machine. He said, we are the blood-bought Christians of Jesus Christ. Leave, leave your message. You know, I can't remember all the rest. But I remember that piece to it. And I remember it's just this radical transformation of my life belongs to the Lord. And that ministered to me more than anything because you could see that out of everything that he did, that there was something about Jesus that was the center of it all. And you know, there was no such thing as being too radical because it was just an outward expression of something that was deep within. And so some of us have lost that over time. We've lost the expression of a deep felt love and appreciation for Jesus. We've gotten into where we used to go wherever we could out town. And unashamedly, we would share about Jesus. We would try and preach the gospel to every creature. And sometimes and many times we got people to turn away from us. But even with that, we still did it because there was this reality to what Jesus did in our life. But somehow we got a formality instead of the reality and we're struggling through that. And I think it's time to hear the voice of God one more time. I think it's time to get the Lord to speak from heaven and thunder in our spirit and reawaken us to this deep passionate life called the Christian life. It doesn't, it's not supposed to end. It's not supposed to get old as we get old. It's not supposed to die as we start to die. It's supposed to live on us all the way to the grave. And when it's all said and done, when our spirit is ascended up to God, it's still there breathing and living inside of us. 
You know, none of that was in my notes, so if you expect to get that again, you're not going to get it. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I sat down this week thinking about what are some things that stand out to me about the voice of God? What could I say? Am I going to instruct you on how to hear God's voice when I'm going to implore and pray that you're already there? But I am going to share a couple of things with you that I think that for those of you who have heard the voice of the Lord and know His voice can say, I believe those things to be true. I'm just going to share with you some very specific pieces to that. One of those is, I want to say this to every one of us, hearing God comes out of a steadfast devotion to Him. A steadfast devotion to Him. If I were to examine and ask each one of you, What's your prayer life look like? What is your secret life with Jesus look like? Do you have a secret life? You know what? I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot or anything, but I'm going to tell you that if you want to hear from God, you have to have a devotional life. You don't get another choice. There isn't another option. He doesn't just pull it out of the air and you can watch TV and get it in that moment. Most of us are going to have to find some quiet time alone with the Lord. And I'm going to give some admission, admonition for that later on. And some of you do. And as you do, and as you fast and pray, I know that you're giving confirmation to this, and there's probably many things that you would say that would even better the sermon had I heard it. So I will give you an opportunity, I pray, somewhere as this sermon comes to a close, if there's something that moves on your heart that you feel is a need to share, please do. Please do. God will speak through many of us for one same special message. I believe it's important. But one thing I believe this about while we have devotion, while we spend time with the Lord, there will be a thousand things in our life that will try and steal that away. You will have to do everything you can do to fight for your time with God. Fight for it. I mean fight. And that sometimes comes right in your own home. You're like, you know, and I'm not meaning to fight with your spouses, as, 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 but I mean fight to try and maintain the peace with your spouse, and gain the opportunity to spend time with God. You know, some of us as men, I've been there with my wife, and she's been sharing with me for a number of years, and she said, honey, I need time with the Lord. And I started thinking about, you know, when God started ministering to me about one flesh, one thing I started thinking about, do I care for my other soul? Do I care for the other spirit that's in my home? Do I care for her like I do my own? I take time. I take time to get up. Sometimes there's been times where it's 4 o'clock in the morning. There's other times when it's 5 or 6. It doesn't matter. I'll tell you one thing. I've learned it's always got to be early no matter what. And it's always got to be before anybody else gets out, even if it's here at the church. I don't know how that works, but it just seems to work that way. Like, no, everybody else is asleep and you're at the church. Why do you have to get up early? I don't know. I just know. But I'll say this. I remember, I know that as that press, that conviction began to press into my spirit, and I started thinking about, I don't value her time with Jesus. I don't value what she gets with the Lord. It's almost like as long as you'll make sacrifices so that I spend time, it doesn't matter if I make sacrifices so you get that time. And you know, there's no house that's better than the house where both the husband and the wife are near to God. That's a great home to live in. And so... As if you're experiencing breakthroughs with the Lord, then you got to look on the other side and ask, is my spouse getting that time? What do I need to do? Do I need to sacrifice? Do I need to take a day off of work? Listen to me. There isn't a dime that you get paid. There isn't a dime you get paid that's worth the time 
that it would be the everlasting experience that your spouse gets to have or somebody else gets in the kingdom of God because you made those sacrifices. I don't give a care if you got to pay your bills or not. You know, Jesus isn't going to make us stand in front of Him and make us give an account for most of the bills, whether we got them paid or not. And I believe that will probably be a small piece to it, but a very small piece. Most of it will be, did you take time with the Lord? I'm a little bit passionate about this. You might be able to see that, and I'm grateful that I am, because I think it's really, really important. So the voice of God. I get to the first point. I'm finally there, folks. You know, now you see how long this is going to be. Buckle up. Buckle up. The voice of God is exclusive. Let's read again John chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. He knows your name. He knows your name. And he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, He goes before them, and the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice. You know you can't follow unless you know the voice. No more than you can fly an airplane unless you got somebody that's instructing you that knows the way. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from Him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. That's God's Word. You know, out of everything I'm going to say, that's God's Word. That It's exclusive. Nobody else gets in on this one. Nobody gets to feed my life. You know, and I'll say this, it doesn't mean that nobody's going to try and speak into it, but you can't give them that ground. You can't give them that place. That you get to tell me what to do instead of God. That you get to manipulate me into some form of action or design. Or that any other part of this is a culture of society that I can't do what Jesus told me to do because of the culture or because of the political arena or any of that stuff. I am mandated by God to listen to His voice and follow. And I love the way that Peter said it to the people that were challenging him in his day. And he said, ought we to obey God or man? They told him, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. Just stop what you're doing and all will be well. And he's like, you can throw me in prison. Whatever you've got to do, the reality is that Peter was committed and faithful to it. You know, the reality is is that a lot of us will suffer persecution as a result of being faithful. But see, this isn't your reward. Your happiness here isn't it. Your health here is not it. So let it be off to the side. Sometimes those are just icing pieces of the cake. Whether you get the money that you wanted, the car that you wanted, the house that you wanted, or any other thing that you wanted the happiness in your life or in your marriage that you wanted. I find so many people that they decide that if they don't have happiness at home, they're going to let God go to the wayside. And I'm going to tell you that is the worst thing on earth that you could possibly do. The best thing you can do is hone in and say, Lord, I don't want to miss this one thing. If I lose everything else in life, you're the one that I want to hold on to. John chapter 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. Interesting that you're like, that's you just read that. But that was actually the second time that that's reiterated in verse 27. You know, I want to share something with you. I was saying, you know, how many examples in life we have, but I love having our dog. You know, I have not been a pet man for the longest time. And we've had a few animals that I've really loved. And... uh 
I think the ones that attract me are the ones that love me back. You know? You get some of the dogs that they bark all the time and they look like they're biting at your heels and you're their owner. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want you. But Chewy, he came to us with that name and he's lived up to it. And I think I've shared with a few stories. But one thing about him is I noticed that, see, we brought him into the home before we even made a decision that we were going to keep him. We brought him into the home to see how he would do. And part of bringing him into our home, one of the things I noticed immediately is it was like he made us his people. And it just felt like he wanted to stay there and that he was, this is my place and you are my people. And so I have felt loved by that animal. And I don't even know how that occurs, but it just feels like he wants to love you. He wants to be loved by you. It's amazing that part to him. And I'm just giving you a little bit of the backstory. And it didn't take long for me to realize I love this dog. And I don't do that. That doesn't happen normally. So he has to have a special personality to win my heart. Well, you know what? Jesus didn't wait for you to have a special personality to win his heart. But I found a few things. Uh, you know, one of them was a story. We went to uh, Salem for one of our meetings, and our next door neighbor lady, she had gotten a quick, rough course on how to watch Chewy. And he's a great dog, and she loved him, but she found out something about him. We'd already found out, but we had forgotten to tell her. And in this situation, we weren't expecting. But so she watched him while we were gone. And one day she put him in the car and took him for a little drive. and. Um, just left him in there for, I think, a couple minutes, and he can do his damage in a couple minutes. Yeah, went to the store. So by the time she got back, he had found a way to chew through the seatbelt. Now, he didn't, she didn't buckle him in, but he just decided the seatbelt was the piece that he... So he has a struggle being by himself. He doesn't like that. You know, it's interesting to think about that because we've also put him in front of strangers and sometimes it's like, why are you a different dog in front of them? Like you're barking at them and being mean to them and to us, you treat us nicely because we're not strangers. The voice of strangers only becomes familiar when we enter into a relationship with them. You know, some of us are inadvertently doing that and we're not paying any attention to it. And we're like, well, I'm not listening to the devil. Well, social media is giving you all, everything he wants to tell you plus. There's a lot of YouTube stuff going on out there. There's a lot of things out there that I'm just going to tell you that I think we more than get it, whether we want to recognize it or not. So are you in relationship with them? And then he, uh, he comes barking at the door until he recognizes. So I'll... Whenever I leave, it, almost every single time when I come walking to the door, I'm amazed at how sensitive he is to sound. There will be somebody walking through the sidewalk far enough. I can't hear them, but I just see them pass by. And he jumps up and starts barking like they're coming to the door. He's very sensitive to the sound. And... When I come, because he can't see me and he doesn't recognize me, or anybody who comes walking up to the door, he comes immediately barking. But as soon as he hears our voice or sees us, he stops. 
So he's caused some catastrophe when left alone. So we've had a little kennel for him at times for him to, to sit in while we had to go do some stuff, take care of some things. You know, Jesus didn't say when the devil comes knocking at your door to bark at him. He didn't even tell you to go bite. It actually tells us in the Word of God to flee. It says, but when they see the stranger, they will flee. So don't bark, don't bite, just run. Get away. Here's another thought here. When he's left alone, it's like we're his world. It really amazes me. It's like we're his world. So we literally have to put him in a kennel until we get back. Now, you have, I have never seen an animal in my life go so crazy as when we get back and you let him out of that kennel. Now, when he, we, first, we first got acquainted with him, he would run from one end of the house to the other end of the house and back and forth onto the couch everywhere you could think of, and he could do it in seconds. About as fast as you could turn your head, he was moving. And you've got that slick floor, so when his feet gets to moving, it's like, and he catches momentum and starts moving forward. So we say, don't throw anything in the house for him to go get, because if he gets in momentum to move, he won't have the ability to stop before he hits something. <laughs> but this is the thing I see in this, is what I see in this is that there has to be in us this sense of separation anxiety from God. Do you have an, a separation anxiety from your time with Jesus? When you get into this world and you have to deal with all the gunk and the junk that's out there, are you feeling weighed down by it and feeling the urgency before you even make it in the door? Lord, I'm dragging my feet to get into the place of prayer. Does the devil want to throw you into a kennel somehow to get you out of sight and out of mind because he wants to keep you out of relationship with Jesus? When I think about this, it's like, how badly do you need Him? This isn't a matter of, do you love Him? Do you want Him? It's a matter of, how high is the temperature in your life? How hot is your love service to Jesus? How much do you want to magnify Him? When you leave this service, before this place and we're done here, what are you going to do in order to get closer to Jesus? And I want to continue to not just embark upon the idea of having relationship, because that just kind of... That has no definition there. But take some time alone with Jesus. How many of us could say, I have an hour a day that I spend alone with the Lord? How many of us can do that? How many of us can say, I've gone beyond that and I've went two hours on a day with Jesus? I spend three hours a day. I know my father-in-law can spend all day long and I don't get that kind of time with the Lord. But what I love is the distinction that it makes in somebody's life when they've spent time with Jesus. Here's one other thing. So we have this exclusiveness to the voice of God in our life. It just excludes everything else in our life. Even good spiritual counsel doesn't have the same as it is when God speaks to us His own word. But here's another one for us. And it's about, listen to me, the voice of God is about distinction, not attraction. The voice of God is about distinction, not attraction. There are so many attractive ministries that are not being the distinction of God. It can be attractive and still miss God. Don't look for what's attractive. Don't look for what's popular. 
pay attention to the distinction. So in Luke chapter 20, verse 21, verse 8. Go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 21, verse 8. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are here in our midst. Amen. Luke chapter 21, verse 8. This is God's word here. Distinction. Distinction. And he said, Take heed that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time is drawn near, and then do therefore do not go after them. Listen to what Jesus is saying very carefully. He says, There will be many. Take heed that you're not deceived, for many will come and in my name saying, I am he. Many will pronounce that they either know the Lord or some will say they are in a false Messiah or that. Jesus is saying, don't follow them. There's a distinction. And I I was thinking about that. There's a distinction that we have to make. And so interestingly, I, I was tempted when I was taking time with this sermon, I was tempted as I have many other times to say, if we're really listening to God, that it comes out of familiarity. Familiarity. But then something, I felt like the Lord helped me see something more. And I would say, because we think distinction comes from familiarity. And I'll say, there's a truth to that. But most of what we see in familiarity is that I got used to it over time. I wasn't aware of, I didn't know until I had enough time and got used to it over time. But I don't see that as biblical. And the reason I say that is, is because what I see, God speaking to a man, and immediately he knows it's God. It wasn't a time factor there. There was this, you got my attention. God spoke to Peter, and he got Paul, and he got Paul's attention very quickly, very swiftly. So what I think is this, it's actually that it's different. It's so uniquely different that it's distinct from anything else you know. That's why I think it's so powerful, because when God speaks to our hearts, this is different, and I know it's different. It's so different that I can tell that this is God's voice. So it's distinction. And so it's so distinct that it helps us eliminate what's attractive, what looks honorable and valuable to me. You know, I've had to make some distinctions in my life, whether I was hearing from the Lord, whether it was God guiding me, or it was just providence at hand, or those kinds of things. I think I've shared this story once before, but I want to share it one more time. And that was, I remember one time I had an option between being able to receive land from the boss that I was working for, an old man at the time, Emery, and or I could go work for somebody that I really wanted to work for. And um, I didn't really have, as I was sure, it was shared with me, you know that he expects you to work for him if he gives you this land for so much money, and it was very cheap. And I remember struggling over those, and I remember debating in my mind and my spirit of, 
which one am I going to get? Am I going to get the land or am I going to get the job? I don't really want to keep working for him, but I would like the land. I would like this acre of property, um, and I could see the value of it. And I just kept debating this back and forth. And I remember finally, I can't tell you how much time, but I remember the distinction hitting me. I remember it became so distinct, and I knew at that moment the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I don't want you to have either. What? I'm going to still work the job that I don't want to work, and I can't have the land. I don't understand. It all even seemed kind of providential in certain ways. And then I saw over time why God told me that. But see, this is the thing. I didn't need time to recognize the voice of God. I just needed to know that there was a distinction in that voice. And what I find is this. One thing about why I call it distinct is because for some reason, whatever direction I'm ready to head on, it's so distinct that I'm ready to turn that direction when it looks like it doesn't make sense. That's why the voice of God is so important. Because if you can't turn when it seems like, This is the right way to go. This feels right. And God is actually trying to move you in another direction. I can't imagine how many places in life... See, this is the thing. When we make the statement, God is in control, if we're not careful, we don't make the distinction that you can still miss the direction of God for your life. You can still wander in the wilderness for a long period of time. When we say in God is control, it doesn't mean that He directly controls you like a robot. And so because of that, God's in control of the circumstances and the situations in your life that are either going to work as a way of chastening you or going to work a way of blessing you. But God is in control of the situations around you. Isn't it interesting that sometimes, I even told a guy recently, I made this statement, I said, because It had been a long time. We hadn't got to talk, and I ran into him over at Safeway, the popular place in the community to run into people you haven't got to see in a while. And we finally ran into him, and uh, I said, well, so what's what's going on? We've been trying to connect with one another and all that. And he was like, well, I got a different phone. We exchanged numbers and stuff. And I said, well, now that we we got each other's number, uh, you're going to get a new job offer. Because the last time we went through this, we were ready to settle down and let the Lord in and have some space to, for some discipleship, and then the job happened. And I was like, that's interesting, you know. But what I also found is the devotion went away. The time to listen to the Lord went away. And I hear back the report is, I'm having spiritual struggle. Of course you are. And life begins to mold and shape that. The thing that I, that I want to point out is, When somebody goes through that and life starts to look like trouble is on the way, they often, because they're not just making the distinction of God's voice in the midst of it, they're falling prey to the depression that goes along with it. What we should do is is let that humble us and get back to our place before Jesus. So it's unlike anything you know. It is so different. You never really do get used to it. You know, there is a difference of it being something that I, I'm, I'm familiar with it, but I'm still not used to it. Have you ever had anything like that in your life where you can say, man, I have had what the same sound I have heard, and every time I hear it, no matter how many times I hear it, I will never get used to that sound. 
Well, that's kind of what it's like. And I'm just grateful that the Lord uses this to speak to us. So how else could God speak to men for the first time when they know that it was Him? The contrast is the difference. So, you know, here's, here's something I think is our temptation. This has been mine so long. We hear this saying that people are attracted to relatability, and they are. But the difference for us is it's not the relatability, but it's the contrast that we present. It's there's something different about you and the contrast that's in your life that's different. It's not relatability. Like, for instance, if somebody's gone through this messy uh, relationship situation and yours is good, that's a contrast to anything that they know. Theirs might be good, but theirs doesn't have God grafted in the center of it. And so yours is still a contrast because yours is centered around the Lord and theirs is around other things. So the contrast is what we're actually trying to bring into people's lives. So when God speaks, He, he speaks with contrast. So this is what you're used to. This is what you're experiencing. This is the contrast of God. The contrast of what He wants to bring into life. And so when we begin to explore what God is actually trying to speak to us, many times it'd be like, that's a contrast. Like that doesn't quite fit in line with what's what fits. It's interesting, you know, going with God is going against the flow. Contrast is not comfortable. Godly contrast is what makes us stand out. You know, I could hear in some of you guys, probably because I was kind of in my own world, but while we were worshiping the Lord, I could hear some contrast in this place. I could hear some contrast between somebody speaking up louder and not as much. I could hear quiet praises. I could hear loud praises, but I could hear the contrast in our time together. You know, it's beautiful that we can have and share this time and you get to be the contrast because your praise stems from the abundance of what God is doing in your heart. So is it okay to yell in this place? Is it okay to shout because you love the Lord? Yes, it's okay to shout because you love the Lord. It's alright that you express it. It's a contrast because the beauty of it is that it looks so much different. Like why do people go to church and they... They just they, they get beside themselves. It's like this is their ball game. And it's like they're going to the NFL and this is their game. They get to sit in. This is your bleacher as far as that's concerned. And you're hurrahing because you're like, they're like, what happened? Well, we just told a testimony. That's a touchdown for Jesus. Jesus just made a touchdown. And you're like, some of us just like to shout more when Jesus made a touchdown than others do. That's because some of us get in the game. Some of us are in the game. We love what God is doing, so we're in the game. And I'm like... Dear Lord, brother or sister, you know, don't get, you better not be, when that game is showing, you better not be standing in front of that TV, hurrahing and shouting louder for some other touchdown Seattle Seahawks making their touchdown than you are when Jesus gets his praise, right? I have no problem. I have no problem when we share testimonies for somebody to shout praise to God, to give this uh, uninvited collapse and share and clap and praise God and share it, because that's fine. Because it's you saying, from my heart, I want to voice my expression of praise and thanks toward God. The contrast. Some people are such a contrast that they become a conflict. You're like, uh-oh. Right? Last thing I want to share with you is it's paramount, not popular. It's paramount, not popular. When you listen to the story 
of the guy sharing about uh, being in an airplane. How many of you look at life with Jesus? If you didn't get your time with Jesus today, did you feel like you crashed the plane when you got home by the end of the day? It's paramount. And some of us, I think, is the issue more is, are we comfortable without it? Do we not see the urgency of the hour? Listen to what John says again in John chapter 5, verses 24 through 25. Go ahead and turn there. I told you this would be a short sermon, so I'm just about... I'm just about the same length as any other sermon, as far as that's concerned. Nothing's changed. <laughs> John chapter 5, verse 24 through 25. You guys there? Shout an amen if you're there. Okay, I didn't hear enough amen, so you're not all there yet. Shout an amen if you're there. Okay, I'll trust you there. Most assuredly, I say to you, paramount, not popular. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That sounds paramount to me. Now, for those of you who may say, I think I know what paramount means, but could you give me a little bit more definition so I understand that better? Definition for paramount. Looking, this was in the, because I didn't find paramount in the Bible, so I went ahead and just looked up the, the Webster's Dictionary definition of that. Was, it's more important than anything else, supreme to all. So Jesus is like, there is no escape clause to being able to enter in the kingdom of heaven without knowing the voice of God. There's going to be a time when the dead shall be raised and only those who hear the voice of the Son of God shall be in the resurrection. That sounds paramount to me. I'm like, I'm like all other things considered, that's really, really important. So here's my emphasis on paramount. Whatever is paramount draws from the obligation for which sacrifice is purposeful and sacred. It draws from obligations for which sacrifice is purposeful and sacred. It trumps all other interests and is of its own nature our highest duty to care for and to cherish. So I think one thing that I could do differently when I hear the voice of the Lord, I could take time to stop right there and say, Lord, thank you so much for taking time with me today that you would minister to me, isolate this opportunity so that I could hear you and I could receive from you today because what would happen if I didn't have that voice? What would my day look like if I didn't have you speaking into my life today? You know, it doesn't matter to me if it was, you know, my day would have been much more trialsome. Sometimes after you've heard the voice of God, your day is actually full of trials and difficulties. You have more pressure laid on you that day. But imagine what you would have been like had you not had your spirit settled by the voice of God coming into that battle, coming into that warfare. But now you've had the voice of God speaking into you in that moment. So then when you had that moment and that struggle, you were able to endure it with more strength, 
You weren't so vulnerable to this attack. And so the stability that God gives in speaking to us and the power. And so there's moments about to hit some people. Some of the most tragic moments of life are coming down the path and you don't know when they're going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. And and, and some of them, like to us, most of it's like I can deal with most situations. I can deal with a lot of things. But this one thing, you didn't even think about it. You haven't even thought about what if. What if that one is the one that's going to happen? Do you want to be caught unaware and in a moment when you didn't hear from the Lord and all of your emotions and all the struggle that you've had in spiritual life is now going to come falling down on the weight of this tragedy that happened because you needed God to prepare you for what was to come. See, a lot of it isn't just we need God to get us through. We need God to give us preparation. And the reason I say that is because what happens in our life, this is just human typical part of it, but the emotional side of a human being is that we won't let the goodness and the voice of God and the power of God lead us if we let the emotion collapse us first. If we got wrought and caught in the struggle, we lose heart in that moment and we don't listen to the Lord. So we need the preparation beforehand so that when it happens, the emotion doesn't catch us, but the remembrance of what God did in me does. And so now I'm going to Him because He's ministered to me prior to the situation. Remember last week talking about Joseph. And Joseph, here he is. Everything he touches is gold. God is with him. And then he goes through his trial. Man, and then God in that trial comes to him again. You see how God refreshes his spirit and pours into him constantly. So we got to remember that's what the Lord's ministry to us is. Is that faithfulness of preparing us and furnishing us for it. People who have made the voice of God paramount. I believe this is what you see in our lives. You see that the obligations of their life fit. I mean, what they give their time and their heart to. you like, that fits. You obviously show, demonstrate by what you commit yourself to that you're listening to the Lord. What they fear follows as evidence of this uh, priority. So see, this is the thing. All of us have fear. Don't tell me you don't. It's just what you fear flows with who are you listening to. All of those fears, do they shape? Do you let your judgments, do you let your emotions flow with the fear? Or does God guide your fears because you're used to surrendering to Him? Hobbies, amusements, and entertainments give evidence to this as well. So whatever I enjoy, whatever I put my time into, that gives the evidence of do I listen to God? Is He paramount in my life? Is He most important? So I want to share a few things with you in closing that I believe some of you already know. Some of you know, but we're just looking for practice. But we just want to put this as habits for hearing from God. Habits for hearing from God. If you want to hear from God, if you are, you're probably already practicing so many of these things. And I believe most of you probably do. But I'm going to reiterate them anyway because I think the reality is that we need to be reminded of how we get into the presence of God. Here's number one. Take time to read your Bible and pray and worship. Do not leave any one of those off to the side. Take time to read your Bible. Take time to pray. Take time to worship. And I'm not talking about on Sunday. Just do that as an addition to what you're already doing through the week. But we take time for every single one of those. 
But now I said take time, but I want to tell you, let's do this a little bit more. Let's find consistent time to seek the Lord every day. Every day. Take time to seek Him every day. Every day. You know, as you think, as this kind of seems to be the bare bones of it, I will tell you this is where I see, you know, I've had numerous conversations throughout this last month, and what we're finding more and more, especially among men, is they are not seeking God. They are not seeking God. They are not listening to Him. They are not taking time for Him. And if they are, they take very little time. It's not a daily thing. It's not a normal thing. And it's beginning to show as a consistency in their life. So here's another one. Number three. Find an isolated place free of distraction, even away from the house. Fight for it. Work with you if you're married. If you're married, try and find a way to work that out with your spouses too. We all need it. If we can, we can all do it. And I believe that, you know, we should sacrifice to make it happen. But the reason I say this, listen to me really carefully, and this is from my own experience. Everything in the air will catch you while you're trying to take time alone with Jesus. Everything. The, the subtlest voice, the squeak. You can hear an ant crawl across the floor if you're trying to listen to the Lord. It's amazing how super the superpower, your mind is distracted. It's like this new superpower just hit me. And I would say this, the reason why is because it is, it is like Superman's, what do you call it? His uh, kryptonite. It's like Superman's kryptonite when anything, even trying to find a quiet time alone with the Lord. And the other reason I say that is because when I say it is distinct, I mean that it requires your attention. What we do is we don't give enough attention to the Lord so that we don't capture what it is God wants from us. So if we isolate and take free time from an undistracted place, and can you do that daily? Please do. Take undistracted. I don't even think for me, my living room, when everybody's asleep, is a best distracting free place. If that's as good as you got, do it. But I have said this multiple times. If you need a place to pray, ask me, tell me. I'll, I'll find a way to open up the church. We'll find praying people in this community and in this, in this place. It is one of the most wonderful places to be in. Talk about quiet. Talk about free of all other distractions. There might be a car that goes by or somebody walks by. Outside of that, there isn't any distractions. There's rooms back there that are so quiet that you wouldn't even know that there was a, there was a sound outside of it. So the reason I say that is because I find more and more that even those who take consistent time with the Lord seem to be struggling to hear God in the, the fine things, in the very intricate pieces of life. So this is a very, I would say this is paramount to me. If there's anything that is, the distraction-free environment is essential to hearing well from the Lord. It just is. So some of us need to say, I'm going to, go to wait. I'm going to go to bed earlier so I can get awake earlier. Why do I think that bedtime later? Now, I'm not telling you you have to have your devotions. You can't have devotions at night. Why do I say most of the time that doesn't work? Because something else will distract you way more at night than it will when you wake up fresh in the morning. So most of us are embittered by, and even those of us who feel like we're better at night, I think a lot of them, I've watched guys through my work weeks, I've watched them do this. They come to work, they're dragging their feet, they're all tired and they're hardly ready to work and it takes the next four hours to get them prepared to work for the day. So what I'm going to say is simply this. 
if they would go to bed early. And so some of them are like, man, I need to wake up early. And I'm like, no, you need to go to bed earlier. That's your problem. Like you don't have any discipline for your bedtime, so no wonder you're going to wake up at that time. Like you probably get six hours of sleep even as the way you do it. But the reality is, if you could go to bed earlier, but I'm young, I'm free, I like to just have more of my time. Or even with parents, and this is what we run into a lot of times, is, well, that's when my kid goes to bed. So that's my time, and I finally get quiet time during that time. And what we're looking for is quiet time, that's true. But the truth of it is, is probably most of us have better quiet time if we could take it in the morning. It just takes more discipline. I've had times with guys where we were trying to pray together. And why do I do this with men? Because I can't capture you. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. I can't capture your time at night. I just can't get it. Like if I were like, hey, can you find time to pray with me at night? Can we have this meeting at night? And it will be the hardest time to draw guys and sit them down at night. Because there's always something to do. If we're done with job, we're going home to be with our families. But what I can do is this. I can get you in the morning. But that's if you don't stay up till 11 or 12 o'clock at night. So I've actually had some guys, it's rare that it finds, but I've actually had some guys actually change their bedtime so they can meet me in the morning. I love you guys. <laughs> you know, that is amazing to have somebody do that. It has changed their life. You know what I think is one of our struggles is? We don't want it to really change life, but it's got to change us drastically. Here's a, just number four here. Take some time, take some seasons to fast and to pray and get away. Take seasons to fast and pray and get away. Fasting and praying is one of the best things we can do to nourish our souls. If we want to hear from God, we're going to have to do some of these things. There's just no doubt about it. Number five. Actually, I can tell you some of the times where I heard more clear from God than I ever have in my life was a season of fasting. I had a time when I was up on the mountain, three days on the mountain fasting, and wow, 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 wow. Man, that was amazing to me. And I walked off that mountain a different man. And I'll tell you, there is no isolated quiet time that I ever had that compared to that time alone with the Lord. The only reason I'm sharing that is because I want to put in us this, I want to put in this congregation a vision for prayer. I mean a vision for prayer. And to fast and pray and see God do some amazing things. I believe God strips us and then he prepares us to be able to pray over our community. He deals with us. Number five, set reminders or alarms throughout the day to draw your mind toward God. Give him praise. Now this is one that I have not done for a long period of time. I started again this week because I had time with another brother and I shared with him why that I think it's good to have that communion time with the Lord throughout the week. And I did it again this week, and I remembered, I remembered why having my alarm go off every hour was so annoying, because I would be in the middle of everything I was in the middle of, that alarm would go off, but it reminded me. And there was some very refreshing times this week. The moment that went off, I was like, you know what, I'm going to just take some time, Lord, I'm in a good spot to pray, to worship. And some of the most refreshing times throughout the week were not in my prayer closet, but just to have that time with the Lord. And the reason why I think that's important is because we don't naturally discipline ourselves to uh, take time to worship the Lord throughout the day, to practice His presence on a normal basis. So we need to set alarms to remind us to get in the discipline of drawing near. What happened 
it, what happened later on, and it wasn't this week, but when I did this before, was before that alarm went off, my mind went back to it prior to the alarm going off. So then you'd begin to train yourself to draw near to the Lord. Lastly, as weird as this may sound, but it's, it's just as important, serve others. Serve others. Share your testimony. God speaks while we're in motion. There's an amazing time. I've had times when I'm just serving somebody, doing something. I'm not reading and I'm not praying in the moment. I'm just serving. And in those moments, God gives me something. God ministers to me. All of those are pieces to hearing from God. Maximize every one of them. You know, cherish every single one of them. Draw near to the Lord in every single one of them. And we will be satisfied by the voice of God. You know, it's different than having a radio, so to speak, because I don't have a spiritual radio to give to you to make communication with the guy in the tower to be able to help you land the plane. But what I can say is this, is that this is no different than picking up the radio. When we get on our knees and we desperately start pleading with God over our own weaknesses. See, this is the thing. When you feel strong, you're really absolutely weak. When, when, when I feel strong, I'm weak. I don't have the strength. We need to be able to acknowledge, Lord, I don't have natural strength that will carry me through. Lead me on. And so this is kind of like the pilot who's flown for years saying, Lord, every single time you're the one who leads me through. I never did pick up the skill and the ability to do this on my own. I don't know why, but every time you're the one who leads me like it's fresh each moment. The voice of God is so paramount in our life. Remember, it's paramount. It's distinct. And it's exclusive. It's exclusive. Nobody else gets to make those decisions in your life but the Lord. Now, here's where it's a really big deal is that when we pray and we spend time with the Lord, we're going to buckle in. we got to buckle in and hear from the Lord in whatever he's telling us to do. I think my wife is telling me the clock is up. It's time to quit. You've preached, you've preached the service. Looking at some of your eyes, I think maybe I'm kind of there too. No, just grateful because I know that God is good. God is good. Listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Read your Bibles. You know, not only that, but I'm going to say this. Read these books. Like, this book is you're, it's going to go out of, out of style here shortly. Read it with all your heart. Keep reading it. Examining it. And then lastly, I would say share it with somebody else. Please, please, please. Just share it with somebody else this week out of the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And then... Um, I want to invite you again, as we always do, I want to open up the altar. Because this is the time when, when we've let time with God lapse. This is our time to just spend with the Lord. So please come and let the Lord refresh you. 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 Father, thank you today, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Lord. That we... Mm. Mm. We want you to have your eternal place in our hearts. Jesus, I want you to have everything that you wanted. Lord, this week, I felt more than many others, I felt such a need to hear from you, Jesus. And walking into this service, walking into our time together, I knew I needed it. I needed it badly, Lord. Sometimes I don't recognize it like I do others, but Lord Jesus, thank you so much for anointing our worship and our time together. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking into our life and filling us with the heart to just to worship you and draw closer to you. 
Lord, there's some people who need prayer today, and I know you're putting us on assignment for them. Father, there's somebody that's going to need our walk with you today. Lord, we're going to need to hear from you this week. We need to hear from you this week. Lord, just like last week and every other week, but Lord, nothing's changed there. But the desire and the pursuit to go after it, I think, is going to be a little hotter after this Sunday than it ever has. Lord, we're just going to seek you with everything within us. And Father, as we draw near, Lord, we know that out of all the things I said, Lord, I'm not making reading or praying the voice of God. But Lord, it's just amazing how you get in on that environment and you minister to us in those times. Lord, I pray for each one in this place that you would lay a burden on their heart for somebody that needs to hear from you this week. Lord, they need to hear because their lives are in that place. They're in that place, Lord, and they may be well provided for, but nothing compares to the everlasting reality of who you are in our hearts. So Jesus, minister, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you.